Welcome to episode 257 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you want to help support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Your support helps me continue to bring you great conversations in Canadian theatre. And if you like Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, I hope you'll leave a five-star rating and or a comment. Your ratings and comments help new people find the show, or even better, if you know someone that you think will like the show, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I know told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 257 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Laura Caswell. Laura is an actor, singer, and playwright, as well as the Director of Education at Neptune Theatre. You're you're in uh, uh, Halifax. That's correct. Were you in Halifax when the pandemic began? That's correct. Okay. I, I work and live here currently. Okay. Though you're I not am, originally from there. Uh, I'm originally from Ottawa. Okay. Okay. What 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 path took you from Ottawa to Halifax? Well, um, are we on our talk? Are we talking already? Oh sure. We're just you're <laughs> straight in. Oh my gosh. Hi. Hi. Um, okay. So, uh, so you want the whole story? The whole. Give me whichever, whatever version yeah. you want to tell. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in Canada, Ontario, Canada, which is a suburb of Ottawa. And, and I spent my first 19 years there. That was back when there was uh, OAC and you went to school until you were 19. Mm-hmm. And then I went to school in New York city. And then mm. I came back to Toronto and then I went to school in England. And then I came back to Toronto. And then I started working and I was working in musical theater. Um, and uh, my first big break was in Bat Boy the Musical. Uh, if you saw oh, it. Oh, that, I didn't see it, but I remember it. <laughs> well, you were, you know, there was about 40 people who came um, <laughs> to the show. <laughs> and anyway, but it was my big break. Like it, I, I got an agent out of it and I made so many amazing acquaintances in the business and had some reviews that were actually po- mine were positive, thank goodness. And so it just kind of got me on my way. Um, and then I, I spent, you know, however many years just acting in regional musical theater all over the country. Um, one person who sort of, we got along and he, I was one of his people that he hired was George Pothetus, who at the time ran Sudbury Theater Center. Um, and, uh, my story that I always tell people was I was a second hire for my first job with him. And then I went on to do, I think George and I did about 18 shows together. Um, so you never know how you're going to go on your path. So I did a bunch of shows with him at Sudbury. And then when he got the job at Neptune theater, um, as many ADs do, they hire some of their, I hate to say friends cause George isn't really friends with anyone. Um, <laughs> but the people that they, they know that they can count on or that sure. they uh, trust. Um, so I got to do some shows here uh, at, in Halifax at the Neptune Theater. And um, then uh, it was a, almost, I guess it was three or four years ago now. I'm losing track of time, especially in times of COVID. Um, I was doing Beauty and the Beast at Neptune. I was sitting on a beach and I was thinking, gosh, I am broke and single and homeless. And I've been doing this for 20 years. Um <laughs> what am I going to do? And then I started to think about the idea of jobs that I could do and my idea of heading more towards artistic leadership. And I started to apply for jobs, including um, director of education at Neptune, which wasn't actually at the time, wasn't an official position. I just knew that the, the job would be on the table at some point, you know? Um, So I just went upstairs and said, Hey, I just want to put out there that when this job comes up, I, and I was thinking at the time it'd be a couple of years. Uh, I want to be considered and then cut to a few months later, well, maybe half a year, but anyway, 
Uh, the position position comes up for grabs. I interview for it, and I'm here. And I've been here at, at Neptune as the director of education since 2017. Wow. Okay. And that's how that happened. <laughs> wow. Um, now, one of the things that, that that sort of glossed over in that story is is how theater became a thing for you. Right. Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to start all the way back. No. Then. No, don't don't. That's that's sort of a separate <laughs> thing. But it's one of my favorite things to talk about is the the yeah. artist's origin story. What made you yeah. start down this path? Yeah, and I was listening to some other shows. I, I, I Natasha Stolchuk talked about something similar the other day, or I mean, sorry, I don't know when you fil- mm. listen, you uh, recorded it, but when I listened to hers the other day, I was the same in that I kind of it was always in me, but I didn't know what it was uh, mm. uh, being a performer. So my mom tells a story that I used to sing. Uh, like I my, wake up in my crib and I like basically sing versus cry to wake everyone up. Uh, but as you know, I or can tell, I have a very nasal and loud voice. So I'm not saying that it was like gorgeous, beautiful singing. Um, <laughs> but and I think Natasha touched on this, too. Um, I didn't really know what musicals were. So I didn't really start doing musicals until high school. I did dance. And I was always the goofball in dance class. Like I wasn't the gorgeous ballerina, but I was doing a lot of ballet class. Um, I liked storytelling. So we would do choreography competitions at my dance school. And I would always win them because I would come up with these crazy concepts and they would always be story driven and character driven. Um, But still, I hadn't really ever taken an acting class per se. Um, All I watched growing up was Annie and Mary Poppins and Sound of Music and Wizard of Oz, but I still didn't really know. They were movies. They weren't, I didn't really know what musicals were. Oh, okay, okay. Right? I was about to be like, wait a second. <laughs> and then something switched, a few things switched. I mean, the other thing I will say, because I grew up near Ottawa, was we would go to the the Nutcracker every year, which I know was a ballet. But again, that ballet is so story driven and there was those mm. characters. So I was, I always knew I was connected to that side of things. And then um, and we probably, I think we probably went to see Cats when it was on, you know, on tour and, and those things. And that was just a fun show where people were dressed as cats. And then, and then my dad moved to Europe, um, to Holland, but we would go travel all the time. And that suddenly I started going to the West End and seeing shows in the West End. And then I started understood what musicals were. Ah, uh, yes. And then I went to high school and... Like the first week of high school, someone's like, are you going to audition for the musical? And I was like, what, how do you, what is that? And maybe at a similar time, now that I think about it, somebody said the same about a community theater audition. Uh. It was all, in my mind, it was all in a very similar time frame. It's when you got to high school and all of a sudden, some of the seniors from my dance school were like talking to me in the halls. Mm. And then, so I auditioned both for the musical at school and I auditioned for a community theater musical and I got in. And then all of a sudden I found my people and I was like, oh, oh, this is the thing that I do. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how that happened. Now, in your I just have to to say that your in that in your your story, your your description of cats might be my favorite description of cats that I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just a just a, a, a silly, a silly thing where people dress as cats. That's that's probably one of my favorites um when you were doing that community community that community theater thing was that in england no no sir i wasn't okay. in england i okay, never okay. lived with my father my point is i would probably i, I got to see a lot of west end theater because mm, when i okay. visited my father which we did about three times a year i would guess maybe out of out of six at least one time we would go to the U, to london and and, and, mm. and see a show because my dad loves theater and concerts so I couldn't tell you how many West End shows I saw growing up, which sounds so privileged. Mm. I am privileged, <laughs> but it was just a kooky way of growing up. But I, I think that the West End and seeing the shows in the West End made me really appreciate mm. what musical theater could be. And mm. I got to do that from the time I was about 12 to 19. Mm. I only ask if you were doing that in England because I know that the attitude towards community theater in in North America is very different than it is in in England, totally. where it's an essential, um, ve- beloved thing. Where we tend to disparage it a little bit here. Yeah, I, 
but the, I gotta say, uh, I have to put a shout out. The the group that I started doing stuff with when with when I was a teenager was a group called Company of Musical Theater. Hmm. And Phil, I haven't had a chance to look through your two hundred whatever roster of people uh-huh. you've talked to. But if anyone was from the Ottawa area, I guarantee you they did work with this company. It was okay. only around for about five or six years, and it was run by a man named Peter Evans. There were other people involved. He was just one of those people that just did magic um, and created so many amazing artists who are still working today. Um, if you know Steph Cadman, if you know Nick Dermard, uh, there's like, there's so many, <laughs> um, uh, Melanie McAninley, like there's just mm-hmm. a whole roster of us that went through those pro I say programs, but it was geared at young people, but he treated us like professionals and hmm. we, we were the leads in these shows like there was no adults in the shows but we were just instilled with this like professional value which is Mm -hmm. community theater but it was slightly different than sort of your you know small town community theater where the same people are playing the leads all the time and are the board and are the (laughs) everything Uh, and again I know lots of people do that work I think it's great work but so I don't know I guess I was never really in true community theater. I did a couple shows with Orpheus in Ottawa, mm. which did do some good work too. Um, yeah. Did, uh, now when you discovered this, this musical theater world mm-hmm. uh, at that point, um, at what point did theater become the thing that was like, this is what I'm going to do? So my, I mean, I did all the musicals at school. I never got the leads. I'm one of those people who never got the leads. I always got to play the quirky, funny sidekicks <laughs> and and an ensemble, but I never got the leads in high school. And then the last year of high school, both my high school and this group I was just talking about, community, uh, sorry, company musical theater, was doing Crazy for You. And if you know that show, that's that lead female part is... Uh, Polly Baker. And the cool thing about Polly is she's kind of rough around the edges. She's kind of a cowgirl. She's kind of independent, but she still has her nice soft moments. And at this point I had found my voice as a singer. I've always had, Hmm. I've been a natural singer and a natural mezzo, which really suits that, um, that show. Anyway, what my point is I suddenly got the lead part and I did it both at with company musical theater and at high school. And then my parents saw me doing that. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, we we support this this journey. So you never had to have the uncomfortable conversation with your parents and tell them that you weren't going to be a doctor, but you were going to go into theater. Oh, I don't think my parents ever thought I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I I laugh and say that I was a good student, and I've always been like ambitious. So like I was president of student council. I was mm. valedictorian. I was running that. I've always been that I've had that part of my personality and I got good grades, but I've always like, you can, I've always been a little erratic and a little like independent and all over the place. I don't think they ever thought I was going to be a doctor, a politician maybe, <laughs> ah. but I don't think they ever thought I was going to be a doctor. Right. Um, uh, and I do always like to tell the, I'll try and say it quick. I, my story about how I decided to go to theater school versus going to university. Um, I tell some of my students this story because I think it's important to know that you never know how you're going to make these decisions. Like I said, I went to school in New York. I went to AMDA in New York and I was at the time I was going downtown for singing lessons. And I rode a bus from Canada to downtown. I forget. I think it was the 97 bus every Wednesday for the singing lesson. And one day the driver must have been running a little bit late because it was always annoying because I would get off my school route and wait for the 97 and I would just see it go by and I'd have to wait 20 minutes for the next one. But on this day, I got on the earlier bus. I don't know if that made sense audibly, but (laughs) so I'm on an earlier bus than I normally am on. So I arrive downtown for my singing lesson like 20 minutes early. So I'm walking down the street and killing time. And I went into what we back in the day called a bookstore and there was a bookstore (laughs) and in, in there, there was like magazines, like, you know, when they would have those like racks of magazines and one, and this is like that, this is like exactly this time. Actually, now that I'm saying this is like this time, 20, whatever years ago of year, like September. And there's these magazines. And at the top one said, and it was an American magazine. I have to preface with that, but it said top of top list of, over a hundred theater schools. So oh. I grab that magazine and I go to my, and I look later and it's all these places in the States that I've never heard of. 
But you have to remember, this is 1998, and my guidance counselors don't know anything about theater school or theater education. And inside this magazine, there's like, check these boxes to receive information about schools. So I put that in the, you know, one of those cards that you just put in the mail, you don't even need a stamp, put that in, get some info back. And AMDA's auditioning in Toronto. So I'm still in Ottawa, but Toronto's not far. Go to an audition in Toronto, get into the school. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to New York. <laughs> and my parents are like, oh, what about all those applications to like Queens and like York? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to just go to New York. And I did. <laughs> so it was, no, it was no research. It was no planning. It was sort of serendipitous. Um. You mentioned about the, uh, the 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 guidance counselors not yeah. knowing anything about theater. I I know that feeling well because I was like, I remember being in the guidance counselor's office in nineteen. Yeah. Um. When uh, they were like, "All right, so we're going to talk about universities," and I said, "I'm going to theater school," and they were like, "Uh, I don't know how to help you." You yeah. know, so no. there was like zero help. They were like, "Maybe you should look some of that information up." Yeah. Exactly. And that's what that's what happened to me. And again, I just I'm glad that I've always been kind of. I don't know. I'll, I, I don't, the word crazy is not right. But like in the sense, I'm, I'm not like looking to f- fill a niche or a box. Mm. I'm like always looking for the opportunities and things. And that's how I ended up going to AMDA. Now, AMDA has mixed reviews as a school, but I got a g- great amount out of it. And I got to live in New York for two years and I got to see theater in New York for two years. Mm. And I got to take, I got to take classes at Broadway dance and just like do all that stuff. And that was like, that was invaluable time. So what was it like going like straight from, from, from school in, 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 in Ottawa and just like showing up in New York? What was, what was that like? Uh, I, I, I actually like now that I'm an adult, I laugh at, I don't know how my parents did it. Like they, we drove, I remember it was the fall, the leaves are beautiful. And then like, they just dropped me off in the Upper West Side and I was like, okay, bye. And like, they would, they had to leave me. I don't know how they did it. (laughs) Oh my God. Something about that is just suddenly giving me like, like goosebumps. Like, all right, good luck in New York City, 19 year old kid. I know. And me too. Like I have a stepson. Well, anyway, ex-stepson, he's still my stepson, but anyway, Mm. Uh, but he's 20. He's just turning 20 very soon. And I, like, so to consider him doing that, I actually would trust him to do that. But just imagining that that's like the world. Um, so, but again, I was so independent. I wasn't too freaked out. I, mm. It was actually not until the end of the two years. And when I really had to start reevaluating myself as like an adult, that it that that's when it stressed me out. And that's when me in New York didn't quite gel anymore. I was so really? lost and confused. Yeah. So you, you came out of AMDA and, and didn't really know where you were going to go, what you were going to do? Well, I did. Uh, so to answer your question, yes. I oh, Everybody can know. All the things. I started battling a bit with um, eating disorders. And I think that that was actually like mental health and stress, not so much. I am fat and ugly. Mm. Um, but that all kind of hit at the same time. And I got a gig, my first gig, and it was because one of my teachers was directing it and I auditioned, but, um, that was the connection. I got a gig doing 42nd street in Europe in, uh, out of a company in Germany, um, Mm. right out of school. So that was awesome. And it was a great experience. Longest contract I've ever had. Cause it was like six to eight months. I can't remember how long it was. It was super long. I, you know, I probably got, I don't even want to know how much I actually got paid. I mean, at the time, any, oh my gosh, I'm making money, but yeah, probably yeah, like, yeah, yeah. probably a slave's wage, really, if I broke it down now. But, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, at the same time, I was just hitting that sort of my first sort of mental health crisis where I was like, what is my value in this world? And who am mm. I? Um, so, uh, and yeah, when I, after that contract got back to New York, I just realized I wasn't in the right place to, to be there anymore. Um, Mm. I always say, I think New York is fantastic if you have a lot of money or a lot of self-esteem and preferably both. But if you have neither, it's just, it's just a pretty hard place to to be. And is that just because of theater or is that New York in general? Oh, I don't know, but I definitely for theater. Like I, I've witnessed and watched so many amazing people just be there and just do it. 
but as soon as you lose that drive it's mm. just it's like a reminder every corner that you're like mm. not doing it <laughs> yeah and, and so i left but i always said i will go back if if life took me there from so i think it's a great city and from there you went to toronto or you went back to ottawa first i went to toronto um i had a boyfriend at the time and we had we had been living like long distance i just say it so flippantly because it seemed so important at the time but now it's like we've just you know i've lived seven lifetimes since this yeah um and so I moved to Toronto and I started going to school for business at George Brown. Uh, and I did that for about three months. And then I auditioned for dinner theater and started doing theater again. So um, that was when the Feast of Fools tried to come back in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Um, I did that for a few months. Now, I have to ask, um, what made you decide to go to school for business rather than trying to pursue theater in Toronto? I just needed a break. Again, I was like feeling a little like confused. Um, I think I wanted to go to school for cake decorating and my mom told me I couldn't. So I was <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, again, I laugh because this, like, this is like 20 years ago, right? So that's it. Uh, but yeah, and I think I would have done really well in that business course, to be honest. Um, but I just couldn't, I couldn't commit to it. Did you did you feel like you had a head for business at the time? Or yeah. Did you, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I still do. I'm actually contemplating. Like, uh, I'm never leaving theater. Sorry, folks, if you're hoping, but I'm never leaving. <laughs> I'm contemplating looking into. I don't know if it would be an official MBA, but studying more in that direction as I'm working more in produ- producing and and in in theater business models. I'm really, I really want. Well, it's two reasons. Let me tell you, Phil. It's two reasons. One. Uh, uh, this is going to sound really bit. Can I say the B word? Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> this sounds really bitchy and, and I don't mean it, but I'm frustrated at being a female in meetings with uh, no quote unquote business knowledge being shut down. And so I am, mm. I, I, if I need a piece of paper to prove that I know what I'm talking about, uh, and that's not at anyone in specific or any organization in specific, just to be clear. Um, so I'm just, if, if I'm, you know, plus I like a challenge. So, um, and I'm realizing some of the things I need to learn more about. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, uh, I just, I just want to say, I don't think that, that what you just said is bitchy. I think that that's, that that's like, like there is, uh, in, in, in meetings and business and in, in, in those rooms, there's often, uh, uh, the, the men over speaking over the women and shooting down the women's ideas. And that's like, not, not liking that, not wanting that and trying to find a way to, to get around that. That is entirely not bitchy because none of that is right. So, yeah. Um, and it, it's you know. not, it's not just a gender thing, just to be clear. Mm. I think it's a personality thing. And the fact that I'm just a musical theater performer, like mm. that also comes with connotations. <laughs> um, yeah. The, being the goofy, funny musical theater performer, people don't often equate with business sense or intelligence, which is shocking because actually a lot of those people are probably the smartest people in any room. Oh, um, shit, yeah. So, P.S., these are just my opinions. Um, maybe there's people who hugely value my thoughts and I just mistake inter like i maybe i'm mistaking interpretations and perhaps that's my own insecurity i don't know um but anyway i digress i i'm considering continuing to expand my business knowledge i mean heck i could learn a lot more about excel spreadsheets and equations and that kind of thing for sure um even though it's so boring i hate it but (laughs) but it's also fascinating and 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 interesting at the same time you know, the, the, the theater world does, does, there are a dearth of people of business minded people. Oh God. There are, yes. there are people in, in positions in, in theaters. There's a few of them who are like, really, they have the business acumen, they understand it. But a lot of times in the theater world, and especially indie theater, but you know, that's, that's another story. It's all very much like, well, if the money comes, then there's money and there's, you know, a lot of times we don't look at things as, as, as a business. We don't look at the arts as a business. And but so we are any, any, I know, <laughs> but we don't, a lot of times we're just like, we're artists, we're not business people. And it's yeah. like, you know what, we've got to be both. And 
sometimes there's got to be somebody who can sort of push people in that direction, you know? Oh, totally. And I think not to be political, and I, I'm not hugely political, but as we're all discussing systemic problems in this industry, mm-hmm. I am not 100% convinced that, you know, part of theater education has maybe consciously or subconsciously not taught artists to value themselves because if we do it would all be too expensive and producers would never make money so it's Mm. it's kind of best to keep people in the dark i've never witnessed uh in my 20 years the industry try to to make people smart about their business sense i've Mm. i've seen workshops posted and things like that but the industry itself so I, i hope that you know, going with what you're just saying, that actually that is really part of all the mandates going forward Mm. Um, and a little more transparency. Like there's always this, like, don't talk about how much you make, you know, don't talk about how much your contract's for and all that kind of stuff. And I've done many shows. Again, I'm sounding like a huge feminist right now, but, you know, I know that lots of the time male leads will make way more than female leads in shows Mm -hmm. that I've been in regional theater. We all know it. So maybe it's time that that's not okay anymore. But just like in the business world and in, in the in the working world, the whole don't talk about what you make thing, that gives power to the producer over the performer. Yeah. If all the performers talked about what they were making and were open and honest about it, then the producers would not be able to to shaft some people and and give more money to other people. There would be actual equality in the contract. Totally. And I, again, I, I consider myself a producer and I think that I think many producers are starting to, to think that way, but it's just the old school way was more keep it all separate producer over here, actors over here, tech over here, music over here, creatives over here. And I think we're all starting to realize that you really cannot function without each other. No. And also I think there's more people who are hyphens. Yeah. There are hyphenate people. There are like actor producers, actor directors, actor writers, writer producers. There's all these people who are like mixing these things. We can't keep them separate. Mm-hmm. And some of the performer unions are just now starting to realize that. And they're starting to make changes to the way that they work that facilitates that. But yeah. that's been a long time coming too. Oh yeah, I agree. And PS, I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna say that I won't make the same mistakes and as I continue my work, both as an actor, producer, director, whatever. But it's definitely something that's on my my radar. Mm-hmm. So where were you and what were you doing at the time that everything shut down? This was really hard. And I, okay, I'm going to try not to get too long-winded, but it literally was six months. I don't know if it's okay if I date this podcast, but it's, it was literally six months today. So yeah, as, as, as we record, yes, yeah, six months today. Six months yeah, today. And, and we could date this, yeah. Okay, cool. Um. I, so six months to go today, I, again, I'm the director of education at Neptune theater and that encompasses like young company shows and school tour shows. But the biggest part, uh, or one of the biggest parts is school classes and camps. We, uh, I'm in Nova Scotia, the cases, everything hit, hit here way later. And, but we were watching it all happen, but it still seemed, you know, like it wasn't really going to be a big problem out here yet. And then, and we had, March break was set to start the 16th of March. So on the 13th of March, the Friday the 13th that everyone talks about, I was like, can we do camps? I happened to know the chief medical officer here in Nova Scotia. I got in touch with him. I I got him on the phone. I said, am I being an idiot for still running our March break camps? He said, no. And and not, (laughs) I really think Dr. Strang has done a wonderful job. He was, Mm. he was just going with what he knew at the time. Yeah. Cut to, Two days by two days later, uh, myself and two of my my uh, side side partner, she's my admin assistant, but like she's way more than that. Julia and I and someone else named Sophie were in the office, and we started on March fifteenth, calling people and going, "We just don't actually think that we should do camps anymore." I was just having a feeling. I was feeling stressed, and I was like, "But we won't. We won't." leave you in the lurch. We'll stay open till Tuesday so you can find childcare to by 3 PM. It's been announced. The province is shut down. Everything shut down. No March break camp. So we're calling and continuing our list of calls saying it's Mm. off. It's off. It's off. And literally that was one of the most stressful days. I, I just still remember how I was spinning and, and feeling everything. There's like, like just watching it all kind of crumble. So, um, but I have to say, Phil, like that happened. 
We did not have March break camp. And I felt so bad for my staff. I felt like it was just the whole thing was hugely uh, stressful. And I felt so awful about it all and confused and all the things that we all felt. And then we, the here at the theater school in Neptune, we didn't really stop. Like we, we started doing um, online stuff and Instagram takeovers and Instagram live stuff and weird media challenges. And then we, this summer here, we actually did uh, camps in person, which was totally allowed. And we did camps for about 500 kids. So wow. I, I don't know for sure, but I think it, out of all most of the regional theaters in Canada, it had to be one of the biggest uh, camps. And we ran them successfully from July 2nd to August. I mean, yeah, August, I don't know, what was it, 21st or something or 28th. Mm. So that was a quite a, a fun journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what was, I mean, in terms of doing the online stuff, how how difficult did you find that? Because for, I think for a lot of people, it's been like a very quick and very steep learning curve to suddenly go from in person to trying to figure out whatever application I'll say zoom, because for some reason, everybody uses zoom um, and, 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 and it's quirks and this, that, and the other thing. And how do you, how do you deal with so many issues and computers and, 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 and internet connections? What was, how quickly did you transition and make that and make that move? And what was that process like for you? We didn't rush to it here, but again, we, by May, we knew we were going to be able to do in person. Uh, but what we did do is we did do some things online just to try. And I also hosted a few of my own classes for cheap or free for friends, just so I could practice and understand how the software worked and best ways to use it. Uh, watched a lot of webinars, uh, watched lots of webinars in different, uh, like not just theater school teaching webinars, like. There was one on post-secondary teaching and I found out a bunch of different really cool software and apps that you can use to make it all more interactive. Um, so, and or in watching webinars, seeing what people did <laughs> in their slides or things to make things interesting and just taking note of that kind of thing. Um, and I, you know, Zooming with friends and just kind of getting a sense of it all. And patience, just a lot of patience. I think everyone was pretty patient with it too. Um, even parents, you know, we're, they knew we we're all figuring it all out. And uh, so this summer for my camps, we did we did in person and Zoom so that we could we could uh, allow opportunities for people who were not comfortable being in person. Um, mm -hmm. But that was cool because it just got us to to practice and branch out. We didn't charge a lot for our Zoom classes. We just wanted to mm. be able to offer something and. Um, make sure we were kind of learning on the go. Uh, but, but I also have a lot of young staff and they are quite smart with, with the technology. So. And how are you with the technology? How is, how is that? Are you a, a relatively technologically adept person or do you, how do you, how do you do with that? I'm, I'm okay at it. I, I also have like technology hates me curse. Like I, you know, like I, I, I'm not, I don't have the best luck with technology. Um, if it's not too complicated, I'll get it or I'll figure it out. I'm not like a coder or anything. Um, my biggest problem is because my brain is so all over the place that I'll always have like 14,000 tabs open <laughs> and then, you know, only to shut things down. And then my computer's like, you're out of memory. And I'm like, what? And then, you know, like that kind of thing. Yes. I yeah. said, I, if someone's not started this business yet, you know, you can hire a maid to clean your house. I would hire someone to help me clean my technology, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, like it, uh, or your tech. Yeah. I mean, we get yeah, I mean, into we get bad into habits. Bad you know, well, there's and, like, and it's all changed so fast that I didn't get to yes. build the habits. Yes. I know yeah. if I could go back, what Google docs, I barely used a year ago. Now I can't live without it, but I have all these old files that I never thought to put in folders and I'm still trying to figure out how to put them everywhere. Yeah. I, um, I knew somebody who actually got hired as a, as an assistant to somebody just to organize their computer because it was yeah. pretty much a mess. So well, like that's actually a service that, that people need. Yeah. So if you're listening, uh, develop it and I'll hire you like Molly made, but for, I don't know what it'd be called. Well, I can't think of a clever 
name yeah. right now. But. Me neither, but uh, I'm sure that somebody is more clever. Techie than Todd I. or something like Techie that. Techie Todd. Oh, my God. <laughs> Todd, are you out there? Um, what does what do things look like for you now? Like currently in Halifax, how do things look for you? Um, I didn't check the cases today, but we were doing our numbers are still really low here in Nova Scotia. Um, and I mean, yesterday it was, it was one active case, zero new cases. So I haven't looked at my phone today to see. Um, so it's really interesting to watch the like numbers climbing in different places. And I know it's likely to hit here. I'm waiting for the, perhaps the wave from the students and that kind of thing to hit here. Mm. But if it doesn't, I'm going to find myself even more confused because, you know, you yeah. have Fauci on the news saying everything shut down forever and you have, you know, Ford in Ontario threatening. And, and all of a sudden we're like, but we're, we don't have anything over here. So I guess we'll just like, you know, everyone's wearing masks, everyone's social distancing. Um, but I've been sitting on patios and having beers. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It, and And then from a professional end, my real job like my job with the theater school it's interesting and challenging because you're trying to plan but like everything is you know you have to like tiptoe and like guess and try and make big decisions but not too big decisions and you know really have to Mm -hmm. think fiscally like you know normally you can take a few risks but you know really limited risks so it's it's really interesting um yeah it's interesting that that um, the maritime bubble has been pretty successful. I know people who, who like I knew somebody who was taking their 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 daughter to the Maritimes to go to school, mm-hmm. and they arrived in the province, and then they had to quarantine for fourteen days. Yes, and that's so correct. like all of this stuff coming from out of province, and and that that's going to help the community spread. We're not we're supposed to be doing that, but we've never been at zero cases. Yeah. Here. We've never been at even one case. So that just we have we still have the spread. I mean, and it's insidious because people are out doing things and you you know, you've like in my case, for example, we temporarily reopened our office. We reopened our office with limited people coming in and being careful, but not careful enough. And somebody came into the office and they tested positive a couple of days later. And so uh, but being, I'm still technically under quarantine, even though I've tested negative twice. Right. So like you, somebody, you can come into contact with somebody and not realize it. And then days later, find out that they were positive, And now you have to trace all the people that you talk, that you talk to, you know? Yeah. And that's my biggest uh, fear for the theater school. Cause we are still yeah. like, it's going to, if, and when that happens, I just have to remember not to beat myself up and it wasn't my fault, but it will be very, very stressful day. Yeah, absolutely. It will. But also I think, I mean, it's probably not going to come from in the province. No. And so far late as of, I mean, in my understanding of the news, uh, the cases that have happened in the last, let's say the last month really have been from people who have traveled Um, Mm -hmm. and people have been quite good at isolating. They've, they find some students for not. And, uh, you know, I know some students who have no students who have not, uh, because they told me, I mean, Mm. again, if I was 19, who knows what I would do? I hope I would. But <laughs> It's know, so true. Uh, I don't condone it, but um, yeah, I, I, I really have no idea. Um, I, ca- I can say that in February at a staff meeting, I did bring up to the room, what about this pandemic thing? Are we at all worried about that? <laughs> I can say that that officially 100% happened. Um, and that was about, uh, you know, at least two, three weeks before anything happened. And it wasn't because yeah. I was psychic. It was because I had been traveling a little bit. And so I was, I was not, I was not just stuck in the Maritimes. I was, I had been gone, I had gone to Toronto. So I, you know, was kind of more aware of what was happening everywhere. But yeah, yeah I, I lit. It's so fun and scary to think that I have no idea what's going to happen in the next little bit, you know. I mean, we're all in that place. Every every plan that anybody has is out the window. And and that's so hard for theater because there's a treadmill. There's a, a constant production treadmill that we're pretty much mm-hmm. on. But it's been interesting because the stopping of that treadmill has forced and allowed conversations to happen that haven't happened but needed to. 
I totally agree. And I think people have to have patience because sometimes, you know, de- depending on the company, you they might not have the resources or the actual time or the focus right now to fully deal with some things that have come up. Of course, Black Lives Matter, accessibility, uh, money, like we talk about and equity. But but I do know because I've been in many, many online packed calls and, and equity talks and, and different forums that people are talking and finding ways and thinking of ways and trying to work towards ways to, I can't say resolve these issues, but definitely make shifts, mm-hmm. but it will take time. And, and it will yeah. take, the worst thing is it will take money and nobody has money right now. And mm-hmm. that is that to me, in my opinion, is the biggest challenge in this time that we need change. You know, it takes, I would say just to, to, to iterate on that, it does take, it takes time. It takes money, but it also takes will. Yes. And there have been a few theaters that have put out statements and they haven't shown that they have the will. Yes, that's fair. But there's other people standing around sort of like telling them like change does not happen unless it's demanded. Mm-hmm. And there, some of those theaters have found that, that there are people who are demanding the change. And so they're now having to look at the change they thought they could avoid making by putting out a nice statement. <laughs> I, I fully agree with that. Uh, and I'm, I would never claim to be a statement expert. I'm, I'm kind of generally, and I, I, you know, I know there's no, I know people don't like always, if you hang back, I, I, I'm a, I'm a gesture person more than a statement person myself, but um, uh, yeah, I think, I think everything you just said is right. And I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words because I'm, I'm not, I don't really have a retort to it. Cause I, or, or a, you said everything that needed to be said. Um, <laughs> but I just, I just, if anyone's listening, I just want to encourage people that I think that it, now we're at the point where we can be creative about those solutions and, and, the, and things will start to happen, which is, which is, which is great. Um, and just as long as we're patient with each other. Mm, yeah. Now, as everything is up in the air and all these things are, are happening, one of the most difficult things to do is is to live in the world. I mean, our life in the world is limited somewhat right now. Um, and it, it can take a little bit of effort to find joy in our everyday. <laughs> so what have you like what has been giving you joy in your everyday? Uh, my dog, uh, you can find her on Instagram at Bella DeBall dog. Um, she's very cute. People say she looks like a fox. Um, she's in my office with me right now. Um, she's been my buddy through all this. I'm literally almost getting choked up. Like just talking about like, Mm. she's, I don't know how I would have gotten through this time. I am single and I live alone. I do not know how I would have gotten through this time without my dog. Mm. Um, I also will openly admit for anyone who has seen photos of me or sees me in person, I have not been taking care of myself. I have, <laughs> I have been spending, you know, six months because I, it, it's like my coping strategy and I'm not saying it's a healthy one, just working, 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 trying to make sure people had jobs, trying to make sure everyone was safe, trying to make sure that the quality of product didn't go down trying to make sure that I was helping lead the charge in the community so that all the art studios knew the safety protocols like I have more gray hair than I can believe and I've put on a lot of weight and so my answer I I admit I am I love anyone who knows me I love craft beer Halifax has a lot of it I've drank a lot of it and I've eaten a lot of Doritos um and 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 Netflix and Crave and Prime I have watched a lot of shows um, I have not watched a lot of theater. I think I needed space. I think I needed to just tune out when I got home. Um, so oh, I've sure. been watching a lot of great TV. Um, so uh, again, long-winded answer, I, but that's what I, you know what? I will say. I will say, like, I know a few people, and they're like, "This is my chance to get in shape," and they did it, or they're like, they've been working out every day, and they're 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 probably in better shape than they were before and i don't know how they do it no. because i just haven't had the headspace for it i agree i also lost the 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 i used to walk to work every day and that was about an hour each way um and obviously i haven't been doing that for six months so my main source of of exercise because i was working from home is sort of gone yeah um and so there's been you know there's been some weight gain i've eaten a lot of comfort food mm-hmm. i've 
played a lot of video games. I've watched a lot of Netflix. Mm -hmm. So I totally get that. And I think that's just the world right now Yeah, is we just have to accept that at a certain point when the world is out of control, comfort becomes more important than taking care of ourselves. Oh yeah. I, I know that I can see it. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm psychic in a couple of years. I'm going to be hot and I'm going to be really happy with that part of myself. And just now is not the time for that. And I'm having patience with that myself. Like it's, Oh, it's just got to, it's just where I am right now. And I, it's okay. It's okay. We've got to be, we've got to be okay with the person that we are right now Yeah, because it's not like we have other options. It's like, everybody's kind of bored. (laughs) Totally. I, I am, I am bored too but but i i mean i i'm an idea person i've been having lots of ideas so now i'm i think i'm ready to like for, for myself or for my creative self so i yeah i'm starting to get ready to use that part of myself again thank gosh yeah it's i mean no i thank gosh indeed because i you know at the beginning i remember seeing posts about like you know if you don't come out of this pandemic with a new skill or a novel or a new project, then the problem was never time. And I'm like, yeah, but there's so much uncertainty. Uh, My brain was going crazy just trying to fathom everything that creativity was not on the table. I was going to say that's the new skill that everyone has acquired. At least, you know, many (laughs) is surviving a pandemic or surviving a world event i think we all thought we could handle that prior to this or thought we knew how we would but now we are doing it yes um so that's a new skill <laughs> yeah no it's only now i'm starting to be able to be creative but that was like that mm. that's six months of not being able to you know uh, yes crazy. i do know i i 100 100 percent agree <laughs> i've been in the same place I, I have a friend who refers to um, the world, this 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 pandemic, this event, this global event as the best apocalypse because it's the best possible apocalypse. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have zombies. We don't have like mass destruction of the entire world at this time. So, so far, it's been the best possible apocalypse. So, um, I mean, who knows? But hopefully we get through this as the best apocalypse. Um, oh, totally. <clears throat> what's coming up for i mean as as september hits uh, are you working on on classes what's happening as yep. far as the education goes so at, 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 ne- at neptune we have um classes coming up which will be in person we're working on some online content um we're doing some digital content here at neptune both like the theater and the theater school has some stuff we're going to kind of play with that a little bit see what happens i'm trying to think creatively about how we can do shows or showcases of our students because like that's the thing they love the most is performing um and also reach like some kind of school outreach because we can't really do our school tours so what can we do Uh, i've been part of many discussions with tya companies around the country everyone's doing different interesting things so we're we're trying to figure out what that is um also just waiting to see what schools are kind of capable of intaking because there's just so much for teachers and administrators to think about Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's been for my students and my teachers and myself as like the first new programs things, it's been interesting because we're just, it's like rethinking and, and I've been trying not to think of like what we can't, I'm not thinking about what we can't do. It's like, what can we do? So this summer, normally our teen programs are super like ensemble building and there's like all these kids and we do big numbers, but this summer I had to change it. And instead it was like, I called it. Uh, building empowered performers and it that was what all the structure of all the teen classes was like trying to build empowerment skills and independent thinking for these young teens because that's what we can do right now and those things are so important and maybe get brushed over when we're all jammed Mm. in a room and trying to put on a big showcase so in all my Mm. thinking right now I'm really trying as much as I can both as myself a producer, an educator, a creator. What can I do versus what can't I do? Because those things, in my opinion, I was thinking about as damn as walking my dog. I have dog walk thoughts. When people say, oh, right now we were going to be or we should have been doing blah, blah, blah. That's not true because here we are and this is what 
we should have been doing. Like Mm. those things are unfortunately gone. It doesn't mean they can't happen, but they will never happen the way they were going to. If you know what I mean. I don't know if that was too deep, but. No, I don't don't shy away from too deep. I mean, this is the time for thinking about deep things. And like, you know, I know a lot of people who are trying to reevaluate whether theater is for them now. Like, yeah, they have no. The restaurant they worked with worked at is closed. They're 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 trying to figure out like if theater doesn't happen in a year, is it worth staying where I am? Is it do I should I go somewhere else? Everything is up in the air right now. Totally. Um, and in a way, the idea of planning is is a little bit out the window. Um, I think we have to plan for the things that we can plan for and be willing to give up other things. Totally. And or find plans that are malleable and things that can work in different situations. Yes. Yeah. Which is, I'm not claiming that's easy, but. (laughs) It's not easy. No. Um, And that's, that's a skill that we're going to come out of this with is like how to make those choices. So. And I've made so many spreadsheets. I mean, (laughs) I just like, oh my gosh, so many spreadsheets. Version A, version B, this version, that version, this color coding. Spreadsheets. And you don't even like Excel. I don't. I use Google, <laughs> I use Google Sheets mostly. I find it a little more user friendly. Um, yeah, but it's still it's still like like who wants to spend their days looking at that? Oh, not me. Not me. Um I, can I just quick I know we're probably trying to end this. I just have to I no. this is I just wanted to share. Somebody wrote on Facebook just last night or the night before. How's ever, how are my theater people feeling? And this is what I wrote. I just wanted to share it because I think people liked it and this is how I feel. Sure. So how do I feel? Exhausted, frustrated, driven, inspired, defeated, creative, blocked, determined, afraid, persistent, grateful, patient, passionate, resentful, complacent, critical, cynical, and hopeful. Um, that's, those are Laura Caswell's thoughts on how she's doing. Well, that sort, of the, that sort of encompasses everything. And I think that, that most of us can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So that's who I am and that's what I'm doing. But I I do want to say for anyone listening who knows me as a performer, like I said, I'm not going anywhere. I love performing. Uh, I'm really passionate about cabaret performance and that kind of thing. And luckily, I think that that kind of work will be conducive to the new normal for a while. So I might start focusing that direction. But I really miss performing for an audience. For me, that's I've never done well in film. I need that. And that's the thing. That's one of the things that's missing from like digital theater Mm -hmm. is the ability to hear an audience, to feel an audience. You certainly can't feel the audience. Um, All of that stuff is, is missing. So I don't think the digital will replace. It can augment, but I remember watching Hamilton on Disney plus when it came out and I'd seen it live before, but you know, being able to watch it and still feel like you were in an audience, man, it just made me miss being in a theater. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why it was designed that way and it yes. has been for thousands of years <laughs> yeah. for a community uh, sense. And, you know, those, those, that study, like when all the people are in the audience, all their heartbeats go at the same time. I doubt that happens on Zoom, but I don't know if anyone's done a, a study on that yet. I don't even know if you could do a study on that. I don't know. If, and I, I would be, I would be surprised if they did. Well, I guess because you're Because right. I feel like we all need to be in the room feeling each other yeah. at the same time as we're feeling a, 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 a performer. Yeah. And, yeah, I agree. Oh, let's talk again in a couple of years so then we can see what happens. Sure, let's okay. see what happens. See yeah, on, absolutely. See you on September yeah. 15th, 2022. <laughs> well, let's see what's happening. Okay. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you. This has been a Homebody Productions production.